regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Hello, Danielle. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. You have just sunshine flowing into your space. I love it. Oh, thanks. Danielle, will you tell us about your practice, where everyone can find you, and then I'll remind them at the end? Yeah. So, well, my website's uh, mymstf.com. Tell everybody what you specialize in and what population you work with. So I specialize in relationships. And I work with a lot of individuals, even though they're working on their relationships. So before a relationship, during, after, and people who are even single and wanting to figure themselves out and wanting to have a healthy relationship eventually. And then I work with couples on the same stages of relationships, all different types of relationships, heterosexual, um, homosexual, all of everything, and being able to look at themselves individually in the sessions too. So I do a lot of like family systems work, looking at where they come from, what their history is, what their patterns are, what they saw, what they experienced as a child, the past relationship, what they bring into the relationship, and then how to make it the best they can be. So to understand where they came from, why they might behave a certain way when mm-hmm. certain situations arise. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I have a question specifically about when someone comes to you because their marriage is in trouble, what yeah. are you typically hearing? Typically it's, you know, should we stay together? And they're kind of doing this as a last resort of, can we work this out? Can we figure it out? And if not, then we should go our separate ways. I mean, I, t- I rarely see people who are, who know that they're divorcing because at that point they're going to a mediator or, but if people are trying to figure it out as a couple, then they're looking for what are the steps, what are the resources, but also how can we make the changes and how can we understand each other and how to hear each other because they have kids and trying to do it for the kids as well and making it the best it can be. So based on, I mean, you are an expert in this area. What do you think is the reason why we don't come to you until it's the end? I think people try, there's a stigma, obviously, I think with mental health and therapy and, and it's family related, it's generation related, where it's not common for people to reach out when they need help. And it, it can be a, a knock on their pride, on their ego. And a lot of people think they can do it themselves. And they just need almost like a mediator, like a third party, someone that's not related, not a friend, not connected to you emotionally, to be able to look at it objectively and with the skills of like having the experience of working with similar people in similar situations, like we know what would be helpful. I think that that makes so much sense. I'm someone who's always been in therapy. I'm very comfortable with it. And mm-hmm. when I was going through mine, I a hundred percent had a stigma mm-hmm. that if we go to counseling, something's wrong with us, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? That was the belief is if we need marriage counseling, mm-hmm. the first question is, oh, what's wrong? Yep. It's like a weakness. Yeah. Right. It's a weakness. I was thinking about when you're talking, I don't go to the doctor only when I need to go to the ER. We do checkups, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think it would be helpful for marriages or relationships going forward? Because lots of our audience is post-divorce. Mm-hmm. And I'm remarried. 
if we did checkups to like make sure that we're doing what we need to do to keep this strong with the focus, not should we leave, should we stay? How do we stay? Yep. Yep. How to maintain it. Because that's typically what people do as they're weaning out of the problem solving therapy stage of like, they'll come like monthly, they'll come in just for a check-in. They just wanted to have a refresher, making sure everything's okay. And how to make, yeah. Like a, a place to maybe air some of the things that we know that we're not doing right. And we need to focus on and kind mm-hmm. of reboot and restart. Yeah. I want, I love this idea because I really want us to open ourselves to the idea that we need help. Like Mm -hmm. marriages cannot work if you don't work on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell Mm -hmm. me from the people that come to you for the last resort, what do you typically do with them in terms of guidance or action or tools that they need to do to try to make it work? Well, there's typically, I would say like about five topics in couples therapy that comes up and especially with divorce and things that are finances, children, trust, intimacy, communication. And those areas are typically what people come anyway, but when you're going through, when you're contemplating as a last resort, if you want this relationship to work, it's like also making sure your goals align for like the future and making sure you both want the same things and you have a vision that's the same. But I always tell people that it's like, you have to come when you're the most successful ones that I see are when you're ready to look at yourself because it's most people come, especially as a last resort, pointing the finger. And it's especially yes. when they're going towards divorce, it's like a lot of blame. And it's always the other, the other person that's doing the problem, doing the things that are hurting you, but then looking at why are you being triggered? What are your hot buttons? What are your, the things that they're touching? Like, why are you reacting the way that you're reacting? That's so intense. And like, what is that? I have a question for you with the five topics. So I did an anonymous survey for married couples Mm -hmm. who contemplated divorce, but stayed together. Mm -hmm. So I'm removing communication because everyone knows that's one of the biggest tools of strength and that actually makes it successful. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the top three in order of the biggest problems everyone said they were having in their marriage for people who have children? Intimacy, finding the time. Uh, losing connection because you have the focus on the kids, uh, which is great, but then you lose yourselves. And then, well, communication is just general, but I would say trust because typically if they're going towards the end of the relationship and contemplating it, some sort of trust is broken, whether it be infidelity or sometimes people are struggling with a mental illness that's not reliable, like depression or ADHD symptoms. And it can leave the partner feeling like you're not there for me. I can't rely that you're going to do the things you say you're going to do. You did almost perfect. So sex and intimacy was number one, 80% of people, Mm -hmm. like massive. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe it because, and this is something I want to talk about you because I find that people don't want to talk about this area. This Mm -hmm. is embarrassing to talk about that we have sex problems or we're not, we're not in sync, but that was the number one. Mm -hmm. And then kids and money were almost tied Mm -hmm. money issues and kids, kid, very much like you were saying about losing connection because when I ends up happening is the whole relationship becomes about how do we take care of these kids and how mm-hmm. do we manage this household and how do we pay these bills yeah. and that's not real sexy and yep. then you don't take time to connect and mm-hmm. yeah then it just feels really challenging yeah will you tell me what do you think is going on with intimacy with couples that is such a hard like we have such a hard time with mm-hmm. well the losing the the spark from the beginning, right? Because the beginning is the honeymoon phase and everything is great and everything is mostly positive. And then you get into the real life of, you know, kids and bills and just annoyances and habits and, and then quarantine. And there's just a lot of different things. 
I think that really affects them. What have you seen this year of the pandemic that has been different in your practice than normal? I would say bringing up the little things more often and making them into bigger things, like the little things that annoy them day to day that the person is not doing and like projecting. And it's really a sense of within themselves of what they're not getting and they're isolated themselves or they're not able to see the people they want to see or be the extrovert that they want to be. And so it's, uh, it comes out and plays out in the relationship and then can, you know, lead to divorce and a divorce rates are getting higher right now. Because they're together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's no, you don't even realize how much of your relationship is based off of that time that you need to be an individual. And Mm -hmm. when you're, you're together all the time, it really does bring out a lot of, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the garbage hasn't been changed in weeks in its mouth, right? Like you're like, oh my goodness, this is, this is all the time. Exactly. And then it's, and then the therapy is like, well, what's underneath that? Like, it's not about the garbage. It's not about the, you know, the dishes or the things that, you know, they're doing, they're bothering you. They're not showering enough or whatever it is, but that's not it. Will you tell me what you think it takes for those who are either in a current relationship or contemplating wanting to be in a new partnership that they really want to do it differently? What do you think it really takes to make a strong relationship? And what do we want to pay attention to? I would say the biggest thing is looking at your own stuff. Because a lot of people, I can I see it through therapy, are really resistant to going back to their own childhood and looking at their own baggage. Like we all come to a relationship with it, good and bad. And whether it be trauma, whether it be past relationships, whether it just be attachments to parents or just understanding, willing to understand yourself and to be able to bend for the other person as well and willing to take the criticism and not, and listen to it as opposed to get defensive and and attack back. So we really want to obviously go inside ourselves and figure out what was it, you know, one of the things that was told to me that by someone who successfully remarried was Mm -hmm. do not forget everything you learned in your first marriage. Don't Mm -hmm. like pretend it wasn't there. Yeah. Like you learned a lot of information in that marriage about yourself, Mm -hmm. about what you don't do well and what you need to do better and what things are not okay with you. The Mm -hmm. success rate is not good for second marriages. Why do you think that is? Yeah. I think people rush into another relationship without really being ready and getting, going through the grief of the past relationship, really recognizing their stuff and their hot buttons and all those things that they need to be aware of. And because they, a lot of times people think they're going to find, but every, we all have like a hole within us from childhood, right? The things you, no parent is perfect, right? You're never going to fill it perfectly. And the only people that can do it, right? Or it can feel satiated is yourself a little bit and then your partner a little bit, but they put all of the eggs in their basket of that, you know, that this is what, this is what's going to help me and fix me. And this is going to be great. And not what I had. And so this is going to be even better. And then reality kicks in, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm really excited that you're talking about this because I've got a new movement and a new podcast and like a Mm -hmm. new world. I'm just believing in so strongly and it's called must love self. And the Um, idea is right. It's specifically for women. uh And we start talking about our body images of ourselves, our, our worth, what we believe Mm -hmm. our worth is and the willingness to use our voice. And I actually, I work with both genders, but I actually find that women Mm post-divorce seem to be more willing to use their voice Mm -hmm. and more confident in themselves than we were when we were originally going into a marriage, when we were in our twenties or thirties, 
Yeah. And I think it's because we seem to be willing to really go deep and look mm -hmm. and see like what's going, do you ever see that? Do you ever have clients mm -hmm. that come back to you post-divorce that want help about moving forward? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of the, of what I see actually is um, people reaching out that are going through the, the tail end of their divorce and, but they're looking for support, but then even after like how to find a new relationship, how to make themselves better, focus on them for a minute. Because you, you cannot have a good relationship if you don't love yourself. No, exactly. I yeah. truly, it's not hokey, like it's real. Yeah. Like, right, it's real. I mean, you're yeah. a scientist and I'm just someone who believes that. And I'm telling you, it's real. Yeah. yeah. Because even the perfect partner, air quotes, mm -hmm. will make you feel sad and lonely or hurt. And if we can't be enough for ourselves, we will mm -hmm. never be able to handle it. Exactly. And like you were saying, it's not how like women were in society is supposed to be to think about themselves and it's mainly about giving and helping and caretaking but then also it's interesting the, the same thing is with men and now they're in relationships being told that they need to talk about their feelings and they need to be open and vulnerable but that's not the way men no one taught them how yeah but and can so that happen themselves. can we do it like can we can we start wherever you are and become yeah. someone who can do that Definitely. And for you, like you said, with the self-love, I think it can go for men too. If like they were so focused on providing and what they do in their actions, as opposed to like, if you take care of yourself and you're in a better place, you're going to be in a better place for your relationship if you love and care about yourself. But I think it also has to be a willing person Yeah. because I've known people that are no matter what you say to them, they just don't want to or know how to open that part of themselves. Yeah. I remarried and my husband and I are not perfect by any means, but yeah. he is the most willing mm -hmm. person on earth to do the action. And I actually taught him last mm -hmm. weekend. And it's so funny because I watch him do it every time now. And I'm like, you're doing a great job. <laughs> he, when I have something that's hard, yeah. instead of him, like so typical, instead of him trying to fix it or get defensive about it, I say mm -hmm. to him, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. I want you to literally repeat what I said and say, it sounds like you blah, 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 blah. And he, yeah. and he goes, okay, then what do I do? I go, and then I want you to tell me what you think that would feel like if you felt that way. Uh -huh. And then you can say what you think you should do. Yeah, said, exactly. We want to feel heard. And I don't exactly. think it's women. I think everybody wants to feel heard. Exactly. And that's, that's a lot of the, the training that I do with couples in, in any stage is is I use a lot of the Imago dialogue of like the reflective listening, like you said, of like staying in that listener mode and just hearing the person and not making it about your stuff, but and not taking it personally, not getting defensive, not thinking too much of if what they're saying is accurate or not. It's just listening. Right. It's and then you can get to your stuff. Right. It's yeah. empathy. And you don't need to throw in like a gold star for yourself in order yeah. to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just want it to be acknowledged mm -hmm. and to hold that space for whatever we're all feeling. Mm -hmm. So just to review, cause we're gonna close soon, but I'm so grateful to have you here. Yeah. In order for us to go forward and to get to a place to have a successful, beautiful, strong relationship in the future, the number mm -hmm. one key is we have to look at our own stuff and really yeah. figure out, right? Who we are, what we need to work on. Mm -hmm. And then when going down the road, let's say, whether it's moms or dads that are listening, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about, you know, there's children involved. Yeah. What are your guide? What's your guidance about when is an appropriate time to let your children meet a new partner? Mm -hmm. I would say if you're really sure, right. If you're really sure that this person is going to be in your life, it's not fair to the child to meet multiple people that you're even unsure about because 
they, they will pick up off of that vibe, right? Like they need, if you're secure and sure, and it's been a while, then, then it's time, right? So if you're going to integrate them into your life, but also what I see is I, sometimes I talk to the partner of the person who doesn't have kids coming in as the boyfriend or girlfriend. And it's also considering their feelings too. Like, are they ready? Because you can't force them into it either. It won't, then the kid will feel that. Yes. So I see the opposite. I will work with a co-parent who wants to introduce their new partner to their kids because their new partner is pressuring them. Mm. I want to meet your kids. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times it's um, it's about security. Like they don't feel like if you're not willing to introduce me to your kids and you must not think I'm as special as you say I am. Yeah. But I feel like that's a danger. Danger. Yeah. And my question would be, what what is that? Why are they pressuring? Why is that such a thing? Right. Because the kids have already been through enough. Yeah. So we only want to bring someone around them that we feel secure in. And if that person can't respect Mm -hmm. what we need, then Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to be the right person for us. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. I'm so grateful to have you here. Yeah, I know. I I want to just keep talking. (laughs) I know. Do you have any last good piece of juicy advice for us out there who want to really be able to show up in our lives for our children Mm-hmm. in a way that, what do you think is the best way to go about just living our lives in a way to take care of ourselves and take care of our kids right now? How would you suggest that we go about doing that so we can really support them while we're all going through so much? Mm-hmm. Well, I think checking in with their feelings, that's not really typical, right? We're, we're practicing these things in couples today and we all wish we would have done this when we were younger. And so asking them and, and if their parents are going through divorce or whatever, asking them how they feel and giving them a bit of control and choices and with it, like giving them options that are able to be picked from um, so that they have a sense of autonomy too in the situation because you, you lose all control when your parents are breaking up, right? I have a selfish question for you. Mm -hmm. So I have three boys. My two boys on each end are very communicative. My Mm -hmm. middle one is very similar to his dad. Mm -hmm. And we're very open about like that he, that his dad has many, many strong qualities and Mm -hmm. emotional communication is not one of them. That's like Mm -hmm. my strongest and the opposite. And Mm -hmm. so my middle son who's 13 and raging with hormones Mm -hmm. is really emotionally struggling just to be able to like get his words out and like, how are you? And he's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I would love some guidance as a mother and I'm sure other parents listening, how do we help our children when we know that they're struggling to be able to communicate with the things that you see that we're going to end up sitting in front of you as adults? How do we help them now with the tools Mm -hmm. to get them to become someone who can communicate better? Yeah. I would say meeting them where they're at. I used to do a lot of work with kids, like art therapy and and using music and like meeting them, whatever their interest is, whether it be video games or art and like making a collage about just like what, what's in your head, like anything, right. Or, or what you, how you see your life now, how you want to see your life or maybe creating a video game, maybe making a a playlist of, of music songs that you just relate to that maybe, maybe you feel are similar to your life in some way, or maybe a playlist also of songs that you wish were real life or just like connecting to them on that level. Do you think that some people are just really not versed in communication? Mm -hmm. Like we all have different levels, right? Obviously is when I say to my son, you know, what's wrong. And he says, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I see like a tear falling down his face and I'm like, what's going on. He's like, I don't know. I'm just frustrated, but he can never communicate it. Yeah. What do you do in order to hold that space and honor him, meet him where he's at, but also he seems like he's struggling. How do yeah. you? Yeah. It's like holding that space that you feel 
you feel his frustration too, that he really doesn't know. And that must be really hard to have a feeling of emotion and not know what to do with it. And sometimes pulling out like the faces sheet with like, it has about like 30 different emotions and just like point, like, what do you feel right now? Wait, can I just tell you how genius you are? Because Mm -hmm. I just told you what I need my husband to do for me, which is to acknowledge what I'm feeling. Uh And so what I need to say, instead of saying to him, what do you mean you don't know? Yep. I need to say, it sounds like you don't know what you're feeling. And that must be really frustrating and empathizing with him. Oh, you're (laughs) we all need this because what's so important for us to remember as co-parents is Mm -hmm. working so hard on showing up and behaving Mm -hmm. and not taking everything personally and then dealing with all the stuff. Yeah. But the kids are also really struggling. And even if we're doing this well, they're still in a pandemic, in two homes, Uh all the different rules, right? Yeah it's a lot. Yeah. And I don't know is such a common response. And it's like, and it's like, if you did, if you did know, what would the answer be? Right. If you could just take a wild guess, could be any emotion in the world, maybe not even what you're feeling. What would you say? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You are such a gem. Oh, thanks. You too. Thank you so much. And um, tell us again, the name of your website. Okay. It's uh, mymfts.com. And where do you practice? What lucky people can work with you. Yeah. So right now it's me and one other um, person that I have. She's really great too. She specializes in relationships. We're looking to build a team of relationship therapists, but that we see individuals, we see kids usually because it's talk therapy and telehealth right now, it's hard to do play. Um, So we see maybe like nine years old and up um, and then up until any age, but any type of, of relationship. See and what state, what state are you licensed in that? Yeah, we're in um, DC, Mar- I'm in DC, Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Um, and then she right now is doing DC and Maryland. Wonderful. I will include all of this in the notes. I'm so grateful for your time. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. I wanted to tell my listeners about a new podcast that I'm so excited about called Must Love Self. It is on iTunes and anywhere else you normally listen to. And I want you to subscribe so you can follow along on this journey of conversations I'm going to be having with brave women and professionals in the field, all who are willing to step up to the virtual microphone and share their stories of ugly and beautiful and struggles, none of which are perfect, but all who want to get better and want to love our bodies, find our worth, and use our voices the way that we are all meant to. It's going to be a pretty incredible thing, and I feel like it's going to become a movement where we can all support each other on the journey. So please check it out, Must Love Self Podcast. For any listeners out there who want help with divorce coaching, please contact me at inyourcornercoach at gmail.com. Remember, We get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and the world around us. Have a great day.